If you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, that would be great. That's, if you're using the Green Bible, page 940. Uh, if you need a Bible, keep it. It's our gift to you. But there's also the verses up all over the place here. You'll be able to follow along. So uh, that's uh, we're on Romans 5, 6 through 11. The key to peace now and forever. The key to peace now and forever. Anybody need a little peace today? You came to the right place. <laughs> Came to the right place. People are desperately searching for peace, desperately in all the wrong places. You know, I should write a song, uh, searching for peace in all the wrong places, right? Uh, the big thing now is I've been following is the microdosing the LSD. We don't take a lot of LSD, just a little bit, microdosing LSD and, and doctors. It's, it's crazy. It's really taken off. Hallucinogenic mushrooms. You can't find any mushrooms anywhere in the woods. They're all being, you know, ingested somehow. Uh, and then, of course, the medical marijuana is uh, just, you know, uh, exploding medical, I use that loosely, medical marijuana, but it's not working. In fact, crazy. I'm reading this in CNN. CNN wrote this, so just keep that in mind. This isn't some Christian, you know, site. It says how, it, the, the title is How Marijuana Impacts Pain, Sleep, Anxiety, and More According to Latest, latest Science. I'm thinking, okay, I want to, I start to read this like, whoa, here we go. Are you using or considering using marijuana to help with anxiety, pain, muscle spasms, nausea during pregnancy, poor sleep, and more, you may be surprised, and I was shocked by what they said here, to discover there is little quality evidence on the benefits of marijuana, according to a new analysis of more than 100 clinical trials. CNN. After applying very strict Quantitative criteria and accounting for both the observational studies and experimental trials um, says here um, most associations between marijuana and health outcomes were supported by very low or low credibility. Much of the most convincing evidence in the study, in fact, pointed to the potential harms of using marijuana especially for pregnant women, anyone with a mental health disorder, and the adolescents and young adults who currently make up the majority of marijuana users. The most concerning findings are the multidimensional detrimental effects of marijuana on brain function as reflected by associations with poor cognition and mental disorders. If we pair these findings with the fact that almost two-thirds of those with mental disorders have onset before age 25, it sounds reasonable to state that marijuana should be avoided in the younger strata of the population. CNN. I was like, pinch me, right? Pinch me. It, you know what this is? It's a lie. You know, marijuana is going to solve all of our problems. You know, it's a lie. It's a, it's a money-making scam. It's a big giant scam. The, the, the doctors in California are now begging other states. I've been following this story. They're, California doctors are begging other states, please don't legalize it. We have seen a tsunami. It's, it's not pretty. They're begging states not to do it. And uh, it, it, I use that as an example of what everybody thinks marijuana is going to give them peace. No, it's just da- dulling and damaging the brain, you know. And, and, but, but people are not finding peace with the world's solutions. They're not finding it. In fact, there was, in the USA last year, there was a record number of suicides, 50 
1,000 people committed suicide in the U.S. last year. Record number because people are not finding peace no matter where they're looking. These are scary times, aren't they? It's unsettled times. We all feel it. Uh, worldwide convulsions. My group, the Connecting the Dots group on Sunday nights, if you never dialed in on that, you know, visit or, or zoom in with us. Uh, but there's these worldwide convulsions. In Matthew 24, Jesus called them birth pains. Birth pains. And you know what birth pains do? They get closer together and more intense. And that is what we are all feeling in the world today. And, and now we are being told that a new pandemic is, is coming. It's already here. Start wearing your masks. Start, we got a new vaccination, President Biden. Everybody's going to be required to take the new vaccination we're developing just in time for the election year. In fact, the Babylon Bee had a great, uh, they're so funny. Babylon Bee said the election year variant is here. You know, it, it, it's true though, isn't it? And, and, there, and there, the discussion is very, it's very uh, imminent. The shutdown is possible, and shutting up is definite. You know, they're, they're going to want to shut us in again, and they're going to definitely want to shut us up. Definitely want to shut us up. But don't worry, NHCC, our church, New Hope Community Church, will not do either. We are going to keep meeting, and we're going to keep preaching the gospel. It's scary times, and it's going to get a lot scarier. If you've never listened to my series on Daniel Revelation, this is a good time to do it. Uh, it's online. You can listen to that, but it's going to get a lot scarier. But we will see today that we can have peace no matter what through Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our life, going on in our life, and a lot of us have trials, no matter what's going on, we can have peace, and that the key to this peace in this life and the next life, is making peace with God. Powerful passage. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the worship. We thank you for everyone who's sitting here or listening somewhere. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word, through your mercy and grace, that your Holy Spirit would touch us with his fire. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen wild passage here romans 5 verse 6 you see at just the right time when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is powerful. I'm going to read verses 9 to 11 again, and we're going to hit them all. Don't worry. But verses 9 to 11, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of a son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen, you, you read this, and something becomes very clear very quickly there. If you have never repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, if there's never been a time in your life that you were born again, the Bible calls it, where you put your faith in Christ, you said, God, I repent of all my sin. I don't want it anymore. I, I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. That's what communion is all about. He died on the cross to pay for my sin. His body, his blood paid for that. His resurrection from the dead gave me a new life. I have put my faith in him. I've given my life to him. If you have never done that, you are an enemy of God. Understand something. If you might be the nicest person, you might be on all kinds of, you know, clubs and wonderful person and win all kinds of awards. But if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. An enemy of God. We all were. We all were. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says this, talks about what the way we were. We should write a song about that, right? The way we were. Uh, verse, uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1 says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. That's what we were. The moment you committed your very first sin, I'm sure you probably don't even remember it, but God does. The moment you commit your first sin or the, the millionth one, you, the, the, the very moment you, you became a v- zombie follower of Satan. A zombie follower of Satan. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this, of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of, this, of the air. The spirit who is now at work in the soul is spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You you became a follower, a zombie follower of Satan. That's what you that's what you became. We all were that. And if you never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are still that. And I know some people say, Well, I find it hard to believe. I know this nice person, this good person. Listen, that's proof. I we all know somebody, people, our friends. Family members, good people, the nicest folks out there, right? And, but take that person, and I, and I have this conversation, it always shocks me. It just stuns me. I'll be talking to this person who I just love and respect and think so much of, but I know they're not a follower of Christ. And whenever the discussion gets to really spiritual things, especially the, the issue of abortion, we'll start to talk and they'll say, I don't have any problem with abortion. I say, you don't, you don't have a problem with killing a baby? Well, no, I, people have that choice. I'm like, think about that. The nicest person in the world doesn't have any problem with, murder, any problem with murdering a baby. That is shocking proof that they're really followers of Satan. And we all were there. Every one of us was there. We were, we were, we were uh, this last Friday, we were at Prayer for Life. Some of the folks from here were there at the Planned Parenthood. We were praying for the women that they wouldn't go through with the abortion, which is very effective. The, the workers in abortion clinics will tell you, if people are outside praying, it, it just ruins business that day. It, it's powerful. It's spiritual warfare. But we also have signs we try to offer to help the ladies drive by going into the parking lot and, uh, and the men too. But while we were out there, an ambulance came driving by. An ambulance came driving by down the road, and the guy inside was, had a lot, one of those speaker things, you know, they can talk out loud. And, and he said, God hates you people. The ambulance driver says, God hates you, to us, God hates you people. 
Uh, I mean, you know, it, now, first of all, that would be a hate crime if we said that to someone, right? Right? That'd be a hate crime. But, oh, it's, but isn't it ironic, too? Here's an ambulance. The guy's dedicated to saving lives, right? And he's upset with us for trying to save lives. Crazy, right? But, but you know what? He's right. His God does hate us. He's right. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says this. The God, we got that one. You can't get it? Okay, I'll just quote it. Second Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You get that? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. A little different version, but uh, same thing. That the God, the God, their, their, his God hates us. Who is it? The God of this age is Satan. He hates us. She's right. My, God hates my, he's, he's right. His God hates us. That's who we follow apart from Jesus Christ. We were all slaves to sin and Satan. There was no way out. We were completely stuck. We were completely powerless. Verse 6, Romans 5, 6 says this. You see at just the right time while we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless. And even worse than being powerless, we were God's enemies like i already mentioned we are on the losing side of this battle with god this cosmic conflict with god the one true god the real god and we we were doomed to a miserable life and a miserable eternity in hell someday we were doomed there was no way out but incredibly god took the initiative you who usually takes the initiative the loser there's a war going on, a battle going on, and the team that's losing, they take the initiative. Let's, let's end this. You white flag, you know, right? That's who, but God was winning. It is over. There's no chance for us, for him to lose. And yet, he took the initiative. God reached out first. Verse 10, it says this. For it, Romans 5.10, For if when we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Did you see the key word several times there? Reconciliation. Reconciled. Reconciliation. The word reconcile, biblically and in general, it means to put an end to hostilities. To put an end to hostilities. To restore fellowship god did this god did this how did he do this verse six says this back to verse six you see at just the right time while we we're still powerless christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die and here we go memorize this one but god demonstrates Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We couldn't pay. We were still sinners. We were the walking dead. We were vicious zombies toward God. And so God decided to pay the price. Christ 
died for us. Remember, we talked about this already in Romans 4, justification. We were made just as if I never sinned. Remember that vital uh, doctrine of justification. Then we talked about atonement, at one minute. God made us at one with, with him again through the death of his son. And now we come to another powerful, powerful word, reconciliation. Reconciliation. God sent his only son to make peace with us, to make us at one with him, to make us just as if we never sinned, but also very important, reconciliation. Reconciliation. What is wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? Imagine someone attacks you. Have you ever been attacked? Imagine you are attacked, right? And you're at war with an enemy who started it. You were at war with an enemy who started it all, who attacked us first. Right? Imagine, though, you say, well, I want to have peace with this person, so I'm going to give my child over to this enemy so that they can abuse and kill my child. Turning my only child over to this, this attacker, this killer, in order to make peace with them. Can you imagine that? That's unthinkable. Shocking, right? But that's what God did. That's God's love. Everybody says, God is love. No, God is not love. God is holy and just. And he acted in love. Because of his justice, because of his holiness, because somebody had to pay the price of our sin. And he acted in love. He acted in love in order to reconcile us to himself, in order to reconnect with us. It's hard to comprehend. It's hard to even put in a box. I got a couple examples I was, I was thinking of. There was a, some years back, there was a pastor. I saw the headline, pastor presides over the marriage of the man who killed his son. Crazy, right? And, and I, the story talks about how this, this pastor's son was, was murdered. But he, he, the pastor forgave the son's killer. He helped him out. When he finally got out of prison, he, he kept on following him up. And finally, he even went so far as to preside over the man's marriage. Powerful, right? But that's nothing compared to God. God didn't forgive us because we killed his son. God allowed his son to be killed so he could forgive us. You see the difference? There's another example. Philly, years ago, there was a, a drive-by shooting in Philly, and a man's son was killed. His son was killed in a drive-by shooting. But the dad, the whole article talks about how the dad forgave the boy, found out that the boy was an orphan. Troubled kid, troubled life. He forgave him. He, he stuck with him when he went through all the stuff he had to go through. And then he ended up adopting this boy. He adopted the boy who killed his son. A lot like what God did, except God allowed his son to be killed so he could forgive us and adopt us. God allowed his son to be killed so that he could forgive us and adopt us. It was intentional. Reconciliation. God's love is incredible. 
We rebel. We're trapped by Satan. We're zombie followers of Satan, the God of this age. We're trapped by Satan. We're trapped by sin and death on the bad side, the side of evil, the losing side. We're, We're done for. For now and all of eternity, we are done. We are under God's wrath. So God wants to do something about it. And he acts in love, and God turns his son over to us, the enemy, to pay the price. And we, and he's allowed, and he allows his son to be tortured and to be killed to pay the price. Imagine, you know, you know all what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, and and Putin attacks the Ukraine, and and all this is going on. Can you imagine Zelensky? Zelensky keeps saying, "Give me more, give me more." You know, this whole thing going on. Give me more arms. You know, it's constant. You know, but imagine instead he says, "I know how to end this. I know how to end this." He calls up Putin on the hotline. He says, I'm going to make peace with you. I'm going to give you my son. I don't know how many kids he has, but let's say he has one son. I'm going to give you my only son to you. And I'm going to allow him to, you to kill him in order to end this war. Can you imagine? He wouldn't even think about it. He wouldn't give his pet puppy to, to, to Putin, right? Wouldn't let him fly on an airplane, that's for sure. But we're not going to go there. It, that that is what that is what God did exactly what God did he turned his son over to us we are Putin we are Hitler we are Stalin we're Bundy we're the serial killers it we that's us the one sin makes us horrible in God's sight he is so holy and so just. But that's exactly what God did. He turned his son over to, to us. To us. <clears throat> to the enemy. And Jesus was born in a barn. He was beaten and spit on. He was tortured. He was crucified. He was separated from his father. That was the ultimate injury. It wasn't dying on the cross. It was being separated from his father. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever been separated from your child? Short time or long, it's painful. Painful. That's what happened. The worst ultimate pain to be separated from his father, to take on our disgusting, horrible sin on himself, is to pay for our sins, to make reconciliation possible. That's what God did for us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't ever just read that again. Memorize it and, and appreciate what went into this. God's love. This should be our motivation for our life. It should be our motivation, if you're not a Christian yet, to put your faith in Jesus. God's love grips us. It pulls us. God's amazing grace. God's incredible reconciliation. His shocking grace. But first we must still, he's done all this, but we must still surrender. We still have to surrender. How? How do we surrender to what God has done? Back at Romans uh, Romans 5 verses 1 and 2. We read it last week, but I'm going to revisit it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. It's by putting our faith in God's grace. God's, God's grace. That's, that's how, by putting our faith in God's grace, the word grace means gift, by putting our faith in his gift that he has given us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I'm sure you have all that one memorized now. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Sound familiar? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by putting our faith, our trust, our hope in God's gift. The gift of his son, Jesus, who died for us on the cross and rose again from the dead to give us a new life. That's, that's how we're saved. God's love should be what motivates us to do this. So many people say, I don't want to come to God. I don't want to give my life to God. You know, I want to keep living in my, my garbage. I want to keep living in the dump. Keep smoking my pot. Keep living in my misery. We've all been there, haven't we? We know what I, well, you know what I'm talking about. But God's love is what should motivate us. It's, we're not giving up anything. We're gaining everything. That's what should motivate us. That love that he did for us should be what motivates us to give our life to Jesus Christ and then to live for him. It's not just putting our faith in Jesus and moving on. No, to keep living for him, to, to, to live the Christian life, to really live for Jesus Christ. What should motivate us is God's amazing love. So many people, well, I became a Christian, but now I can't have any fun. You know, I wish I could have fun. You know, are you kidding me? The longer we live, the more we realize how people aren't having fun. 50,000 killed themselves last year. That's how much fun they were having. Another 109,000 overdosed on, on drugs. That's how much fun they're having. It, it's a lie. But, but so many times we, we think, well, I wish I could still X, Y, and Z. I, it, 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 are we motivated by God's love or are we fraternizing with the enemy? Are we still in enemy territory, even aiding the enemy some way? We're places we shouldn't be. Our minds are being places we shouldn't be. Our hearts are places they shouldn't be. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, right? It, it, our, this, I hope this verse is a wake-up call, a shake-up, shock back into reality. Romans 5, 8, memorize it. But God demonstrates his own for, love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. For us, put it to music. I have my own version, but I'm not going to sing it today. But anyway, put it to music. There was a book years ago came out called Peace Child by Don Richardson. Uh, Don Richardson, Peace Child. He was in New Guinea. Powerful story. These two tribes in New Guinea were fighting, but one they one chief wanted to make peace with the other chief, and so what he did is they had this thing in New Guinea. One chief gave his son to the other tribe to raise his son. He. he Gave his son. And it ended the war as long as his son was alive in that other tribe that ended the war. Which was an incentive for them to keep his son alive, right? That, that, that's what they did. But that's similar to what God did with his peace child. But God sent his son to live and die to make peace. To live and die to make peace. But not to stay dead. He was resurrected from the dead. And because Jesus has been resurrected, he can never die again. The peace is now permanent. It's permanent. 
It can't be broken. And now we can know peace daily because we have this living Christ living in our hearts. We can know that peace daily. Powerful. Have you made peace with God? Have you accepted God's love, God's gift of love? Have you accepted that? Have you put your faith in God's grace? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, gave your life to him? Have you ever taken that step? Have you accepted his gift? Have you made peace with God or are you still his enemy? You may have walked in his bitter enemy, but you could walk out a child of God. Are you experiencing, maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, but are you experiencing supernatural peace? That's promised because of putting your faith in Christ. We are promised peace. Not like the world has. John sixteen thirty three says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Say that with me. In this world I will have trouble. Do you need convincing of that? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You hear this sermon? Everything's great, right? You go home, everything's great. No, there's going to be trouble. It's going to be daily. To the moment you stop breathing, there are going to be trials and attacks and, and trouble. But look what he says. He told us all this so that in me you may have peace. No matter what we're facing, no matter what's going on in our country, what's going on in this world, we can still have peace. Still have peace. And then he, he, also Paul says in, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, says how to, how to stay in this peaceful way. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Powerful. I'm going to read it. Let's do that again. Uh, Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here we go. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's supernatural. Can't explain it. But no matter what we are going through, we can still have peace. Still have peace. Doesn't mean we don't wake up stressed out. Doesn't mean we don't wake up in pain. Doesn't mean, you know, we don't have to battle through that that fear and get to faith, but we can do it. We can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do it. That's the key to peace in this life and the next life. That's what communion is all about as we go to communion now is remembering this, remembering God's love. That's what the the bread is. The body represents the body of Christ that he gave on that cross. The cup represents the blood of Christ that he gave on that cross. And we're remembering the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which is remembering God's love and remembering how we can have peace. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. You can do that today. If you have done that, you can live in peace through communion today. God's love. Have you acted on God's 
love yet? Have you put your faith in God's grace, take, accepted the gift of his son? Do you have peace in this life and the life to come? Do you have that? You can have that today. And as Christians, are we staying in communion with Jesus Christ, in his love, living in his peace? Are we staying there, fighting our way there every day? Are we doing that? Communion, the, 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 the bread and the cup represent the body and blood of Jesus. It's remembering God's love. How we'll take it is Todd will lead us in some worship and prayer and then invite people to come forward and take it back to your seat however, with someone by yourself. However God leads, it's between you and God. This is your time of communion with God. There's only two reasons why you shouldn't do this. The first is if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, don't take it, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Very serious. But do it. <laughs> Pray and put your faith in Jesus do it. Everybody can, but it's between you and God, but everybody can. The second is there's something you're not willing to surrender. First of all, we have to surrender our life to Jesus Christ, but then as God shows us things in our life that we need to surrender. But if there's something in our life, say, God, you can't have it. I'm going to close this door, this closet door, this bedroom door. I'm going to keep that closed. You can't have this. Then don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Very serious. But Open the door. Ask for forgiveness. You don't have to be perfect. Just be willing to fight the you know, battle. Surrender it to God. Say, God, by your mercy and grace, I want to start fighting this battle. I give you this X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Anyone can take the Lord's Supper. It's between you and God. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, Preparing for communion. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in God's grace. You've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never given your life to him. You can do that right now. It's in your heart. It's a, it's a prayer in your heart. But I always encourage people to pray a prayer to put an exclamation point on it. The simple but powerful prayer of faith, God, I, I repent. I repent of my sin. I repent of all the garbage, the, the shame. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word and your will for my life. I repent. I surrender. I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. I give my life to you, God. If you have put your faith in Jesus, just now something amazing happened. You went from being an enemy of God to his child, to his son, to his daughter. Everything has changed.
Your life has changed. Your eternity has changed. You can now commune with God as your Father anytime, anywhere. He's there for you. If you have put your faith in Christ, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. God already knows it. Tell somebody. Tell me on the way out. Tell a family member, a friend, someone who's been praying for you, somebody at work, someone at school. Tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to surrender in our life? Are we experiencing peace no matter what? By staying close to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, do we understand His love? Father, we pray for Your Holy Spirit fire to touch us during this communion time. In Jesus' name.